Good morning, mom and dad. Jake Thompson here from Compete Every Day, and welcome to the Raising Competitors podcast. I'm excited today to welcome former professional soccer player Joanna Lohman as we talk about her book, Raising Tomorrow's Champions, what the women's national team teaches us about grit, authenticity, and winning. But more importantly, we talk to Joanna about resilience, about how it's vital for our athletes to develop resilience early in life and what are some things that we can do as parents to not only hurt their ability to build resilience, but what are things we can do to support them and how we can best support them to build that resilience, to take on challenges and to grow the muscles needed mentally to survive and thrive in not only sports, but the rest of their life. So sit back, take some notes, and I'm excited to welcome to the show, Joanna Welcome to Raising Competitors Mom and Dad, a podcast designed by the team at Compete Every Day to help the parents of athletes learn ways to raise strong, healthy competitors. Throughout every episode, you're going to learn ways to improve your athletes' grit, mentality, gratitude, leadership influence, and help them develop the skills we learn in sports that set us up for success in life. My name's Jake Thompson, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, keynote speaker and author, but more importantly, your host on the Racing Competitors Podcast, and I'm so incredibly excited you're here. Let's get to work. Yeah, welcome to the show. What is up, Jake? I'm so happy to be here with you. I've heard so many great things about you, so don't let me down. <laughs> I, I will do my best. And you are absolutely, for those listening to the Raising Competitor Show, we are referencing our friends, Henna and Colin, who have both been on the Compete Everyday podcast uh, and our mutual friends. And you have a chance to work with as well uh, in some of the work you're doing with Think Big, Go Far. Uh, but you've got quite the story. You played professionally. You have been one of the best in the world. And now you've written a book for parents, which is why we got connected because it was like, oh, kindred spirits. How do we help youth athletes, especially in today's world uh, and just the pressures and the the drive for perfectionism that kids already face. But now I feel like it's amplified by parents, by social media, by everything else. So super excited about today's conversation. For those who maybe aren't as familiar with your name, give us a little bit of background because you've got not only quite the nickname, uh, but quite the athletic career. <laughs> so for all your listeners out there, uh, I am your new favorite celesbian. So I call, I call myself a celebrity lesbian. I also have the nickname, which is the Rainbow Warrior. And I became the first player in Washington Spirit history in 2019 to have her jersey retired on their first ever Pride Night. And I say that with such gusto because usually when you think about a jersey being retired, certain pictures pop into your brain. And those are championships, trophies, MVPs, titles. And the interesting thing is I've won none of those things, Jake. And I often joke that I could be the most undecorated player to ever have her jersey retired. And I, I say my lowlights exceed my highlights. And that's the truth. I mean, starting off as a professional female athlete in the generations that I played, it was uh, quite the struggle. I, I made it through two failed professional leagues in the United States of America, meaning that I didn't have a job the next day. I also uh, went through a career ending, essentially, I would say um, ACL injury. I lost all three championship games I've ever played in, meaning I've never won a title. Spent years where I was on the bench more than I was on the field. And on average, I would say I made around $15,000 a year playing professional soccer. And 
that's just the tip of the iceberg, Jake. And we're not even talking about my personal challenges of coming out at the age of 21 after being engaged to a man. Uh, your listeners can't see me, but I have um, a pretty rad haircut, which is called the Joe Hawk. And I cut off <laughs> all my hair in 2007. So I've been, I've been through it, my friend. And I love, love talking about the adversity that I've gone through truly as a catalyst for success and the most essential building block for authenticity. So I, I want to pull on that a little bit because what I find fascinating, one, it, you, your energy now is is infectious, but your your challenges and struggles, and you you talked about the the lowlights being more than the highlights. And in sports, we do this, but in life, we do the same with our jobs and everything else. Is we attach our worth to the outcome. Yeah. And so for somebody who dealt with injury, who lost championships. How did you mentally get through that without, because we, they were talking about this morning on sports and in football, the Super Bowl was just last week and only eight times has a team gone back to the Super Bowl after losing the game, Buffalo being one of them, which went back multiple times, but it's rare it ever happens because there's something about that failure Mm -hmm. on the biggest stage that mentally wrecks a lot of teams and individuals and for someone now who has so much energy around your story and, and using the adversity of your story as kind of a springboard to what you do and how you teach others, how did you get through that at that time to where you kept coming back almost too stubborn to give up yeah. where a lot of people today, their worth and self-worth would be so bottomed out that there would be no next attempt? I love that you asked that question because... I think sport is so unique in that sport offers a public forum for suffering and failure. In no other arena do I believe that around others, you are falling down, picking yourself back up again. Every single day you're losing and you're coming back to do it the next day. So you have this very true and honest and and safe space to fail and suffer in a public way. And so sport builds adversity tolerance. So I would, I would love to sit here and say, Jake, you know, overnight I was able to deal with all this adversity, but really it's step-by-step. And it started when I was a kid, it started from playing sports, pick up sports with my brother and all of his friends. My brother was older than me. So I'm playing rugby, hockey, baseball, soccer, football with all of his friends and getting bloody noses and bloody lips. And then you know, really falling in love with that and coming back the next day and getting hit over and over again. So I think the process really started when I was a kid. And then as I really touched on earlier is being a female professional athlete, you put up with a lot of BS. You're consistently told you're not good enough. Nobody wants to watch your games. And so you truly do it because of the love of the sport and the drive for me personally, just to get better each and every day. I really was someone who embraced the growth mindset. So just watching myself in a sport that I loved incrementally improve through practice was all that I needed really for to stay internally motivated and really want to strive to be better. And then in 1999, you have the women's world cup team. Um, They won the world cup in a sold out Rose bowl against China and Brandy Chastain rips off her shirt. And at that point I was 17 years old and I got to see them at the White House because I live in Washington, DC. They got invited to the White House from, uh, by Bill Clinton. And that was my first time, Jake, of like seeing someone that I could be. 
And I knew in that moment, it was so powerful. I was like, I want to be a professional soccer player. So to really answer that question, it was just, it was little by little, right? It was adversity tolerance of building my resilience and then also seeing role models and envisioning what my life could be. It's fascinating you say that, and I've got a follow-up question, but a couple of the things you said there that stood out. The first is being the younger sibling and how research shows that typically the younger siblings develop those skills, those toughness from having to have more advanced competition with their older brothers, sisters, things like that. And so I find that is a huge competitive advantage with the right mentality that you had. The second is what you just talked about with the, the soccer team and getting to go to the White House because I'm reading Daniel Coyle's talent code and he mm-hmm. talks about the ignition mm-hmm. and how in the hot spots and different pockets, it's seeing someone that you can relate to and think yeah. that's going to be me that suddenly sparks way further investment into the skill development and chasing that dream and the willingness to endure some of those adversities and challenges where most others might give up because you've seen yourself in your mind of this yeah. is where I want to go. This could be me. So I found that fascinating. I'm curious about your friendships. I'm curious about the relationships in your life because I find the people we associate with a lot help us out of those circumstances a lot of times um, Mm -hmm. where they keep us in it. And so the people we spend time with. So when you were going through, even just from a professional playing career, was there a teammate that, that was very, I would say, important or vital to your ability to be resilient? Um, Or was it just the collective? Yeah. You know, it's, I've never been asked that question. And when I think about it, the, again, a unique part of being a, a female athlete is that there is a lot of turnover within your professional sporting team. And that is because there's very little pay. So players leave to go work in corporate America. Uh, players get treated a lot. They will uh, go overseas. So it was difficult to find consistency when it came to a teammate of mine once I hit the professional level. I think as a youth athlete, I played for the same club team for about 10 years of my life. And the coach, believe it or not, was a dad of one of the players. This would never happen this day and age, right? You have big time coaches who make big time money. It was a dad. And my team was like my extended family. We were not all-stars, Jake. We were good quality, solid players who just loved the sport and loved playing with one another. Again, I feel like that's unique in this day and age. A healthy journey through youth sports. It was, we were all quality players. None of us were truly all-stars. And it helped me to understand that you first play for the love of the game. And then the, the joy of seeing yourself improve through that effort, that growth mindset that I fell in love with. And I love the idea that if I worked harder at something, I would get better at it. And the sport of soccer was something that just kept giving me these gifts. I loved playing with a team. I loved being a part of the team. I loved being a leader. I loved fitting in as a role within a group and striving for a common goal together. That's what really made my blood pump. And I think that was the foundation, my launching board, so to speak, of going out professionally because I was just so healthy. I would say mentally, physically, emotionally of having that experience as a kid, a joyful experience around sport, which again is so unique now, low pressure. My parents didn't know anything about soccer. They just supported me. 
And so I grew understanding that this was my, this was my goal. And this was something that I had full autonomy over going after, right? It was, it was my dream to be a professional soccer player. And I had every opportunity to strive for that goal because of, because of the way that I was raised, I would say. Yeah. And obviously the game and just sports in general has changed so dramatically today where pressure from the beginning, the focus on a single sport, like all of the things and the fighting ideologies around it, make it not only challenging for the athlete, but the parent who genuinely wants the best for their kid. Yeah. Very different from the the parent who's trying to live vicariously through their right. kid. The, the parent who just wants the best and they're overwhelmed with, they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. There's hearing 15 different things, but they want their kid to play and, and all of this. And so I think what we've done for a lot of us and a lot of parents is we've taken out the opportunities to build that resilience mm-hmm. that you have. And so I'm curious because I know some of the work you do is around leadership and redefining leadership. And that's some of your keynote speaking work, but you also have a book and you work a lot in, in the youth sports space as well. And so what are some things maybe a parent listening or listening to you talk about how you built your resilience, playing with your older siblings and, and being in this team environment? They're like, I've got an only child or they're the oldest and I don't really know how to support them. What are ways we can help them start to grow and develop that resilience muscle that was so vital to your career and obviously the work you're doing now. The book Raising Tomorrow's Champions that I wrote with my co-author, Paul Tukey, was written in effort, Jake, to give parents these lessons. How do you raise a child that you love and you want to support to be great at anything, right? To be great at something, whatever they choose. And we found some common themes within our interviews of the U.S. Women's National Team players. We interviewed over 100 of the greatest players of all time. And we started to see themes. Every journey was unique. The themes though, was that every single player, regardless of their background, went through some sort of adversity. It was not a matter of if, it was a matter of when. And what separates the good from the great is the willingness to get through that adversity. It is the willingness to get to the other side of fear, because as we talked about, sport has that unique environment where we have a a public way of suffering and and going through pain and failure. And parents so very often want to take away that pain and that failure because as a parent now, it, it hurts to see your child suffering. And so as a way to really control your own emotions. You want to take that pain and failure away from your child when adversity is the catalyst for their success. So we have to, as parents, take a step back as much as we possibly can and let go and trust. This is the word that I just love now is saying to our child, I trust you. I trust that through this process of failing of adversity, you will build that resilience. And the more that I step in as a parent, the more I'm taking away that experience from you to build that resiliency and to build that adversity tolerance. So as a parent, we're going to have to suffer along with our kids. We're going to have to sit with them on that bench of pain and not take away the bench and not try to move them off that bench. We have to sit with them Because as a parent, the first thing you must do is support. 
The second thing you do is challenge. And hopefully your child's in an environment where their coach is challenging them, right? So you're there to be that support system. And when we say support, Jake, we're not talking about the snowplow parent, right? Who plows away Very all much. the snow before, before, you know, before they, they reach the adversity. It's, it's almost inviting adversity into our kids' lives to, to really see them thrive through it and to, and to say, I trust you. You got this. And it's what hard. Are, I was about to say, it's, it's incredibly hard. And we know that the car ride home or after school, after a game, after practice yeah. are some of the most vital points. Yeah. In order to sit with them in it and support them, what are some things or questions you tend to recommend for that? Because we know statements probably aren't the best in those moments, but questions could be your silence. And so mm -hmm. how do you kind of encourage parents to sit with them in it, especially in that post-practice, post-game where we know is such a crucial part of that athlete's experience? We have a great interview in our book with Abby Wambach, where she talks exactly about this concept and research shows that most youth athletes want to drive home with their grandparents, right? Because the grandparent is known as the like utter supportive figure in their life who won't comment on the game. And in the interview that we did with Abby Wambach, she said, you can say three things to your kid. The first thing you want to say is I loved watching you play, right? It's establishing yep. that trust, that love of just being there and supporting them. Two is pointing out a play in the game or a situation that demonstrated their character. So, hey, Luna, who's my daughter now, Luna, I love that you were the first person to high five your teammate when they scored that goal. Or Luna, I loved that you put your hand down to help the opponent up when they fell down, right? Something that demonstrates their character. And then the third would be something like simple. You could ask them a question. Um, how did you feel or really just kind of sit in that silence, right? And allow your child to just realize that their worth is not aligned with their performance. So as soon as, soon as a child attaches their identity or asks themselves, will my parent love me if I don't play well, then the performance becomes so big. It becomes about their existence, right? So when they step up to strike a soccer ball, it's no longer about, oh, swing through my hips, strike it with my laces, make sure my toes pointed down. It becomes about, this is my existence. Will my parent love me if I don't score this goal? And then as we know, our brains enter into the fight, flight, or freeze, because that is a threat as a human species, right? To feel like if, yep. if I don't do this right, my parent won't love me. That is isolation, right? That's a lack of community. And, and so your child will develop through fear as opposed to that curiosity and that love of the game, because they know that your support is there no matter what. So that is my advice for a parent on the way home. Just say, Hey, I love watching you play. The second one, point out a play in the game that demonstrates great character or your values. And then the third is just to see how they felt. Right. And just allow yourself to sit into that silence. Yeah. That, that, that number two, that process one is, is we, where we've tried to hammer over and over again of praising process and where you see that demonstrated of how great of a teammate you were, or how hard you hustled, even after a mistake, little things that we just know over time are more important for your success in life.
and, and you defining that. And so I, I love that. Now, a lot of the work you're doing now, obviously, in addition to your sports is you're keynoting as well. You're talking, and we talked about this, about redefining leadership. And yeah. I'm curious from a, a radio tease type standpoint, <laughs> how are you redefining this idea of leadership or what success is? Success is judging ourselves through our evolution versus our conclusion, Jake. So you just touched on the process is greater than the outcome. And as human beings, we were designed to evolve. And so very often we are attaching our worth around what we declare as income over what we actually overcome. And adversity is truly the catalyst for success. And if, if we wanna lean into that, and if we want to help our employees, our family members, our friends, understand that adversity is the catalyst to greatness, we have to help them lean into it. And leaning into adversity means that we're putting ourselves in positions to fail um, quite very frequently, right? And, and to make yeah. mistakes. And we have an environment set up around us where we're brave enough to take those risks because we know that the process and what is rewarded is, is taking that risk itself, right? So that's redefining leadership is really creating these brave spaces that allow one another to show up as our authentic selves and to understand that failure and mistakes are part of the process. And we can really judge our success looking back on how much have we evolved as a human? How much have I changed, right? I looked in the mirror the other day as I was holding my daughter and I just smiled to myself about how much I have changed as a human being. From you know now my sexual identity, the way I express my gender, now having a child, I'm a mom, a label that I never expected to, to use for myself. So it's understanding that the evolution and the beauty within that evolution as a human is the true definition of success and leadership. Love it. I love it. And the growth is something that's vital because it, it takes us out of the comparison Mm -hmm. And the comparison mm -hmm. game and puts us squarely into what we talk about is competing with yourself. Yeah. How are you growing? How are you evolving? How are you not? I mean, you're, you should challenge beliefs. You should challenge yeah. the way thing was because what, what it does more than anything is further cement it. Like if you yeah. can challenge yeah. your ideas and your thoughts and your processes and you know, how you saw the world at 21, yeah. if you still see the world the same way, but you've challenged it. Great. But not being afraid to challenge it of, yeah. have I learned something? Have I grown? Have I evolved and developed? And even just the importance of that investment in yourself of what, what a shame it would be a year from now to be in the exact same place as yeah. the exact same person. Yeah. And I, I love that you said that. And, and Jake, I'm going to throw something yeah. funny at you that I've been developing. And, and this is the creative Joe mode is, can we approach life like, like a Dungeness crab. And when you think about a Dungeness crab, I'm from the state of Maryland. I'm actually wearing a sweatshirt that has a Maryland flag on it. Yeah. Our state animal is the crab. And when you think about animals like a crab, they molt and they molt. A Dungeness crab molts 30 to 40 times in its lifetime. And that means that it sheds its shell, right? Yep. When you shed your shell, you shed old barnacles, you shed old parasites. So like these beliefs, behaviors, and values that no longer serve your purpose and then they regrow into a, a new shell, which is usually bigger. And they're 
their size can change drastically within this molting process. And I think to myself, what if we showed up in the world like a Dungeness crab, where we molt 30 to 40 times in our lifetime? And that's the view, that's the reframe that we can have on adversity, that adversity is the catalyst for this molting. And when we molt, we grow into a bigger, better version of ourselves that gets to serve our higher purpose in a more effective, compassionate way. So now my keynote is talking about molting and you know, judging our wealth by the amount we molt versus the amount we make. And I go through the process of what a Dungeness crab looks like when it molts. And I associate that to the human process of molting. And it's a super fun keynote because I, I molt on stage. I tell all these stories about my own human molting. I tell stories about Megan Rapino and women's, women's national team and, and great leaders who have gone through the molting process and how cool that can be, right? How advantageous it can be if we, if we view adversity as molting, that it's just a way of us growing into a better version of ourselves. And then that way, when we think about adversity and it, and it scares the shit out of us, Jake, right? Like when we think about failure, we're like, oh, I'm just molten. You know what I mean? Like, here we go. Like growing out of my shell, growing into a new set of skin. So that's uh, really what I'm leaning into right now. I love it. it. It reminds me, one of my favorite authors is Donald Miller. And he talked about how much skin cells we lose on a daily and how yeah. every minute of the day we lose anywhere from 30 to like 40,000 dead skin cells. So over the course of a year, you've literally become a new person. I love that. And so that, that, when you talked about that, that's really where my thought goes. And, and if physically that's happening, our body's, you know, renewing itself, transforming, yeah. getting rid of old dead skin cells. Why wouldn't we do the same from a mental standpoint, from a baggage, we right. carry things like that. And our Joe, brain does that too, Jake, because it, I, yeah. it's a process of synaptic pruning, right? If we're yep. not using certain synapses in our brain, then they prune out. So it's like, we're literally designed as humans to molt. And yep. my baby daughter, Luna, when we took her to the doctor, she had some dry skin on her forehead and her doctor said, it's, it's kind of like she's molting at this age. And I was like, yes. Okay. Like literally like we're molting. So I like you. You're the, yeah. you're the right doctor right here. We're good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Joanna, where can people find out more about you? Grab a copy of your book and get connected. Yeah. So my website is joannaloman.com. So it's J-O-A-N-N-A-L-O-H-M-A-N. Dot com um, and there you can find all my my keynote speeches all the work that I do within youth sports LinkedIn is a great spot to connect with me always sharing um, my ideas on molting and then people can find the book raising tomorrow's champions on Amazon um, worth the read we have interviews with Mia Ham Abby Wambach Crystal Dunn Megan Rapino Alex Morgan it's just it's a really amazing book of life lessons for parents. And it's all like woven together, like a beautiful quilt of stories and research and, um, and the table of contents is rainbow Jake. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty badass. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I am excited to just share your website and the book in our show notes with parents. Um, if they're looking for additional ways to continue raising their competitors, Joanna, I appreciate you coming on the show with us this week. Thanks for having me, Jake. I really appreciate you creating this, this platform for us to really share ideas. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Raising Competitors podcast brought to you by Compete Every Day. To learn more about the show, listen to past episodes, or get connected with our team, visit RaisingCompetitors.com. We'll see you next episode.